Well, thank you, Sarah, for reading those, um, those wonderful words. Uh, hi, everyone. Good morning. Uh, please do keep your Bibles open on page 1188. Let me say a quick prayer. Let's pray. Uh, our Father, thank you uh, for this passage. Uh, and we pray, please, uh, please grow us in true knowledge uh, over the next few minutes. But more than that, please encourage us deeply in our hearts um, in the Lord Jesus. Amen. Grant. Well, I wonder, have you ever had a problem that's come from not knowing something? Uh, some difficulty you've had uh, because there's some knowledge that, uh, that you didn't have. Um, could be something smaller. Uh, where are my keys? You know, I don't know. Uh, that can be quite unsettling, especially if you just close the door behind you, uh, like I did this morning. Um, or it could be something bigger. Uh, you know, you've just started uh, a new year at school, or you've started a new job, or you're starting a family, <laughs> and you think, what am I doing? How's this going to go? I don't know. That can be unsettling. Well, the first Christians um, in a, a Greek city called Thessalonica, they experienced that too. Um, there was something they didn't know, and it unsettled them. Uh, and here's what they didn't know. What happens to Christians who die? See that at the end of verse 13. Verse 13 of 1 Thessalonians 4, Paul writes to them, Brothers and sisters, we don't want you to be uninformed about those who sleep in death. They're uninformed. They don't know what happens to Christians who die. And those of us who are Christian believers, we probably ask that question too. What's, what happens to Christians who have died or who will die? Uh, we're not born knowing that. We're not born again knowing that. We need someone who knows to tell us. And Paul's going to help us with that. But the thing is, this isn't just an abstract question for us, is it? It's about real people we care about. Parents, a child, uh, a spouse. Dear friends, real people. See, there are many questions about death this passage doesn't answer because God's purpose in it, in it isn't to, to satisfy our curiosity, to answer any question we, we might have, every question. His purpose is deeply pastoral. See that back in verse 13. Brothers and sisters, we don't want you to be uninformed about those who sleep in death so that you do not grieve like the rest of mankind who have no hope. See, here's God's goal through this passage, to help us grieve in hope. That's what he wants for us this morning. Because when death touches someone we care for, it's only natural and right that we grieve. Uh, this passage has been misread as saying it's somehow wrong for Christians to grieve. That if you're a Christian, you shouldn't cry at the graveside of someone you love like others do. But that's not what this is saying. God does not want us to hold in the tears. Jesus wept at the graveside of his friend Lazarus. It is entirely right to be sad when we lose something good how much more when we lose someone good? 
So please don't think it's wrong to grieve. That is not what God wants. What He wants is to help us grieve well, not with a hopeless grief, but to grieve in hope. Because as Christian people, we still grieve, but we can grieve differently. And if this morning you're here and you're not yet a Christian believer, I wonder, have you noticed that? Maybe you've been to Christian funerals and you've noticed it's different to other funerals. Other funerals where people collapse under grief because they have no hope. Like the philosopher Bertrand Russell who said this, there is darkness without, and when I die there will be darkness within. There is no splendor nor vastness anywhere, only triviality for a moment, and then nothing. No hope. Or maybe it's funerals where people don't really grieve because they're holding on to false hope, uh, like this poem. Do not stand by my grave and weep. I am not there. I do not sleep. I am the thousand winds that blow. I am the diamond glints in snow. Do not stand by my grave and cry. I am not there. I did not die. Nice sounding words, but empty, denying what's really happened. But then you go to a Christian funeral, and you notice it's different. The people there grieve. They are deeply sad. They're not holding on to false hope in denial. But neither do they collapse under grief with no hope. Tears run down their faces, but there's a joy to them, a confidence. And you wonder, why is that? What's going on here? What enables someone to grieve like that? And maybe as they grieve in hope, you think, could their hope ever be my hope? Because it seems good. Well, keep listening, because church family, Paul says that to grieve in hope like this, there are two things we need. First, we need to know our hope. That idea of problems caused by not knowing something, well, the Christians Paul, were writing, Paul was writing to, um, uh, they were worried about believers who die, questions like, uh, uh, you know, Christians who die before Jesus returns, are they going to miss out when he comes back? Are their bodies just going to stay in the ground? The separation of body and soul that happens at death, can that be undone? We don't know. And so we worry they're lost forever. We grieve like there's no hope for them. Maybe you can relate to that. And if so, Paul wants us to know there is a sure hope for Christians who die. Sure, because it's based on the resurrection of Jesus. Uh, That's what verse 14 is getting at. A real event in history. Jesus went from being dead to being alive, literally, physically alive. We could have seen him, touched him, if we'd been there. And if we did, we'd be touching someone who's now beyond the reach of death, who can never die again. See, Jesus wasn't just resuscitated, back to his old mortal life. He was raised to a new life that'll never run out. C.S. Lewis put it this way, Christ has forced open a door that has been locked since the death of the first man. 
He has met, fought, and beaten the king of death. Everything is different because he has done so. Now, you might be skeptical about that. People don't rise from the dead every day. But this is the miracle that sent the first Christians preaching a message of hope to a dying world because they'd seen and touched the one who'd beaten death. And they did that even when it cost them their lives. Because Jesus' resurrection, it's not just an isolated event. It's more like a chain of dominoes. You know what that's like when the first domino falls. All the other dominoes that follow it, they fall too. It sets off a chain reaction for all that follow. Well, it's not a perfect illustration, because Jesus did the opposite of fall, he rose. But Jesus is like that first domino. Uh, His rising sets off a chain reaction for everyone who follows him. They will all rise too. His resurrection in the past guarantees their future. Like verse 14 says, we believe that Jesus died and rose again, and so we believe that God will bring with Jesus those who have fallen asleep in him. Well, when will that be? Middle of verse 15. It'll happen at the coming of the Lord. That word coming, that's where we get uh, our word advent from. If you're younger, maybe you've got an advent calendar. Uh, If you're lucky, uh, you've got a chocolate each day to look forward to. Uh, Counting down the days to Christmas, to Jesus' first coming. But in Advent, we don't just look back to Jesus' first coming. We look forward to when he'll come again, like Rachel was saying, to finish what he started. Uh, Because if God has a calendar, this is the big date everything's counting down to. And we don't know when it'll be, but Paul's clear. Some Christians will be alive when Jesus comes. It'll happen in their lifetimes. In other words, it could be us. Jesus really could come in our lifetimes. We don't know if he will, but it's the big date to look forward to. Like my friend Nick, who signs off every email, eyes on the prize. Uh, or a friend I used to have who, when they bought a new year planner, the first thing they did was they'd go through each month and every now and then they'd write the word today, question mark. Could it be today that Jesus comes back? It really could be. And that would be brilliant because this is a day to look forward to. Look at what Jesus will do. Verse 16, for the Lord himself will come down from heaven with a loud command with the voice of the archangel and with the trumpet call of God, and the dead in Christ will arise first. After that, we who are alive and are left will be caught up together with them in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air. What a lot to take in. But hear what it's saying. Uh, Some of us have multiple alarms to wake us up in the morning, and we still manage to sleep through them. Well, Christian If you are asleep in death when Jesus comes, you will not sleep through his call. He will wake you up. He will not forget you. And those believers who've died, and we sometimes worry might stay dead, will be more alive than they ever were in this life. It is not beyond the one who made us from dust 
and who raised his son from death to raise his beloved children with glorious resurrection bodies beyond sickness, beyond suffering, beyond sadness, beyond death. They will not miss out. Won't that be a good day? But even that is not the highlight of our hope. That's the end of verse 17. And so we will be with the Lord forever. I wonder, do you find the thought of living forever a bit scary, a bit overwhelming? That could be any of us who feel that way, but mainly I find it's teenagers who, who say that the thought of living forever, it's just, I don't know what to do with that. Um, maybe you feel that way. What if I feel trapped? Um, uh, you know, what if it's boring? Uh, the same thing over and over again, never-ending. Easy to feel like that. And if that's you, then imagine spending time with someone you love spending time with. Maybe a friend, someone you look forward to spending time with. And being with them makes your day, and you're sad when it's over. And this might be stretching it a bit, but maybe you have moments that you wish you could kind of pause and, and stretch out to last forever. Um, things you wish would never end. Well, that's what eternity will be like, because we'll be with the best person there is. We'll never get over how surprising and exciting and loving and awesome He is. We'll love every minute with Him more than the last. Jesus will make eternal life worth living. See, the thought of living forever might scare us, and if we had to live forever without Jesus, it should scare us. Even the thought of being in a perfect world, but without Jesus, should be horrible to us. Uh, because the highlight of heaven won't be health or comfort, or even seeing our loved Christian departed once again. Wonderful as that will be, Jesus will be the highlight of heaven. An old Christian put it like this, Oh, my Lord Jesus Christ, if I could be in heaven without you, it would be a hell. And if I could be in hell and yet have you still, it would be a heaven to me, for you are all the heaven I want. See, Jesus is our hope. His resurrection, His coming, to raise His people, to be with Him forever. He will bring us to himself, the one we were made for. He's the hope we share with others so they'd receive him while there's time. And he's the wonderful hope we have. So know your hope, church family. This is our hope. Our hope that means we can grieve differently. But for that to happen, Paul says there's a second thing we need. We know our hope, so second, we can speak our hope. Sometimes uh, you might find it's tricky, uh, I find it's tricky to work out the application to uh, a bit of the Bible. Uh, what am I meant to do? And sometimes it's quite easy, and this is one of those times, because uh, it just tells us, uh, verse 18, here's what we're meant to do. Therefore, encourage one another with these words. 
See, Paul's been helping us know our hope so that as a church family, we can speak that hope to one another, encourage one another with these words. Think of it this way. In this sermon, I've been the one talking, and you've maybe been listening. Thank you if you have. Um, But it's not meant to end like that with one person talking. The goal of this sermon is we all end up talking, talking with each other over coffee and in our small groups and in the messages we send and the phone calls we have. The words of hope we've heard start coming out of our mouths. And we all speak to each other of the hope we have in Jesus. It's the arrow on the screens. Knowing leads to us speaking. Next slide, please. Uh, And actually, uh, another arrow belongs there. Because as knowing leads to our speaking, so our speaking will lead to knowing. Uh, Here's what I mean. Have you ever found that you can know something, but to really feel it, you need someone to say it to you? Like you can know your family loves you. But what a difference it makes when you say to each other the words, I love you. And you can know that your friend forgives you for what you did. But how much more deeply you feel it when they look you in the eye and they say the words, I forgive you. In other words, there are some things that need to be said for us to really know them. I love you. I forgive you. And Paul's saying, add these words to that list of things that must not go unsaid. Jesus rose. Jesus is coming. Jesus' people will rise. We'll be with him forever. Say these things to one another. Because on one level, we know they're true. But to really feel them, we need to say them. And of course, there's a time just to cry with someone uh, and to put our arm around them and make them a cup of tea uh, and be there. And to say that we'll be there for them and that time will help. But these are things Christians say to each other. Uh, Things about Jesus, our hope. I'm going to get discouraged. And this is the kind of thing that I need to hear. We all say these things. And the more we speak about our hope to one another, the more we'll know our hope. And the more we know our hope, the more we'll speak it. So that even something as deep as how we grieve will be shaped by hope. So as we finish, um, I want to suggest we give this a go, uh, speaking hope to one another. It's something we can all do. uh, And of course, it's going to look different in everyday life. This is a little artificial. But for just a minute, let's speak to someone about something you've been encouraged by, uh, something about Jesus or hope, uh, like on the screens. I'm encouraged that dot, dot, dot. Uh, And if you don't want to, that is absolutely fine. Please feel free just to be still and reflect. But for a minute now, uh, let's speak to one another of our hope. And then I'll lead us into a song.